gentlemen, welcome to another Red Voices. Well done, you made it through another week, so relax, take a load off and let Richard Can and myself, you and Leonard, be your guides through the abyssal cavern of infinite gloom that is present-day Manchester United. <laughs> Games against Crystal Palace, Young Boys and Southampton on the menu today, but first, a word or two from Rich, as I'm contractually obligated to ask how he is. Um, well... <laughs> <laughs> what a great start to the episode, Rich, beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what else to offer at the moment, I'm... I'm I'm feeling rather husk husk of a football fan. Uh, I mean, husk of a football fan or husk of a United fan. I think that distinction is important. Well, I think they're kind of leading to each other, don't they? I'm I'm going through. Well, it's been quite a continuous stage, but it's growing to the by by the week where I I like the idea of watching other teams play, but then I just get increasingly angry when they play coherent, vaguely interesting football. Mm. I mean, it used to be it used to be certainly in the last sort of four four or five years. It's it's been if. If Liverpool have played, you know, if Liverpool are playing really good football or Spurs or whoever, and, and now I now I get ragingly angry about the fact that Bournemouth are playing good football, <laughs> uh, basically, or you know, or Wolves or you know, all these random teams that have been largely inconsequential to United for quite a long time, but now, you know, we're significantly more abject than them at a lot of things, mm-hmm. and thus significantly less entertaining. This is true. I've had a good week. Thanks for asking. Cool. Yeah. How was it? How was your week? How was it? How was your week aside from the football? Uh, aside from the football, it wasn't too bad. To be fair, the, probably the highlight of the week was actually something football related. So uh, we got invited down by BT Sport and Wayne Barton to watch the new documentary Too Good to Go Down, which is uh, sort of the story of United's years after that European Cup victory in 1968 and how eventually the club got relegated to the old second division back in 1974. It's a really fascinating insight into how United actually got in, themselves into that situation. The problems that were surrounding the club at the time, you know, the best law and Charlton essentially were hadn't been moved on necessarily quickly enough and because there was such great love for them in the club and because Matt Busby was still there at the club essentially as you know almost an overarching presence over the, the managers that would come in and replace uh, Busby after he retired it's very difficult to sort of turn the club around but Tommy Doherty did a pretty good job and you know despite leaving under a cloud having uh, been a uh, center of an affair with I think it was the physio's wife ended up leaving United with a FA Cup um, beating uh, Liverpool no less 2-1 in 77 I think it was yeah it was a really really interesting watch really great insight from the likes of Willie Morgan and Doherty himself just a really really fascinating watch and it was impossible not to draw parallels with the current situation just in terms of you know, number one the level of support that the club's getting despite going through a difficult period just how easy it can be when your confidence is rock bottom to lose essentially and how losing has become a habit or how in this current instance not getting results has become a habit and I think you know it was a little bit of perspective as well you know in the sense that United have surely been through worse periods and that was the proof (laughs) on in front of everyone who was watching it that evening United have been through far worse periods than they are now and that's always worth you know taking into account whenever you think about the current situation with Mourinho at the moment but yeah, thoroughly recommend everyone go and watch it when it's uh, airs on BT later on in December. Thoroughly worth a watch. Really good to get a really great picture of a period in United's history. It doesn't necessarily get a lot of focus. You know, when you think about the last sort of 50 years, Ferguson's era and Sir Matt Busby's reign essentially come to the forefront. And a lot of that period in between tends to get missed out. So, yeah, I mean, especially for someone who wasn't necessarily clued up on that era of the club. A really interesting watch. Really important that I think fans keep an eye on it. Yeah, and it's interesting that um, essentially how the, the relegation was kind of rebooted United or, or, or rebooted the enjoyment of following United for a lot of a lot of the fans, and and that you know, Tommy Doherty tried and often did play uh, you know relatively attacking 
football and that, that that year in the what was the second division then was one of the most enjoyable that a lot of people of a certain vintage experienced mm. just in terms of going to new places and, and United playing very offensive football and, and it just being fun you know whilst the, the kind of sexton period came after after that and that was a kind of a, a sort of lull in the excitement United's history since that relegation has been dominated by more just expansive football nice you know really good to watch football and I guess that that's something that makes the the, the times that we're experiencing now all the more difficult um because at the moment we, we certainly aren't <laughs> well that's very true yes um yeah you're right I mean Doherty in particular when it came to United actually going down the, the focus seemed to be on playing fast attacking football on overwhelming teams you know use of proper wingers you know, essentially, you can't draw that parallel with clearing out the deadwood to a certain extent because that just wasn't the case. You know, you're talking about three wonderful footballers in their best law and Charlton, but essentially, best law and Charlton at that stage in their career, because of various circumstances, they just were not able to provide United with what they needed. And the difficulties in managing those gigantic icons of the club, you know, these are men who have got statues outside of Trafford, just the way in which that was approached you know there's an interview with Dennis Law about how he was let go from the club and it's clear that he's still very unhappy with how that all went down and you know I think one of the really interesting things just sticking on the documentary because who wants to talk about United Monday one of the really fascinating things that I hope people really get engaged with is is the way that you've got players like Paddy McCrary and and, uh, Willie Morgan talking about certain situations involving George Best or a couple other players and they've got a very clear view of how they see things which differs completely with the way Doherty has viewed it or recounts stories so again it's not presented as either side is correct but it's just a really fascinating watch in terms of how wildly different the perspectives of these key people at the club were at that point and how easy it was it is for those things to just come apart and people to disagree and people to be you know fractious to one another which is leads me very nicely into this last week of football and there we go that's the episode room for the rest of the week give me a minute chat on crystal palace on saturday i mean that game had nil nil written all over it from the off really didn't it yeah one of the features of united this season has been our ability to essentially take on any team and lower ourselves to a place just below the ability of that team and three times in a week we've achieved that quite brilliantly you know in, in, in some in a way our consistency is is quite startling palace are an okay side they've got a few dangerous players i mean the bottle counts have played very well today and and one and they're, they're clearly sort of finding fractures of form but you know united at home and I, I don't see any game that united play at the moment and think that i would bet a significant amount of money on us winning it against anybody in on any location at home away wherever i think what we're looking at is just a completely broken team it's been said a lot that no that, that, that we just can't see we can't see really what ta- what the tactics are we can't see what the, ch- the training is achieving what are they trying to do it's just it, it, every match looks like a bunch of strange strangers chucked on a football pitch and just told you're playing 442 today or 4231 or whatever 433 Go on, just go and play football, but don't, but don't, don't attack too much because we need to make sure we don't concede a gazillion goals. And that's it because there's, there's no, there's no identity to this team. I mean, it doesn't. There's, we've had quite a lot of stats rolled out after the Southampton game tonight. We are united amongst the, the lowest runners in the Premier League, amongst the, the lowest 
putting them lowest number of sprints. This team doesn't do a lot of running. And if you, if you watch a lot of teams now, perhaps even a majority of Premier League teams now, they're incredibly active. You know, the top, the top teams now all play at pace. They all press very hard. They play with enormous energy, both in attacking sense and a defensive sense. United do neither. Um, we don't press. <clears throat> we hardly ever press. And that can only be by instruction. You know, without the ball, we don't press and we just drop back. We just drop back into two lines of four or two lines of four and a five and, and, and Lukaku, whoever, whichever unlucky sods playing up front 40 yards up the pitch. You may well agree with me that I don't see what this team, what this team's doing in training. I don't see what the game plan is. I don't see how there's any scope for progression because there's there's no understanding between any part of the team whatsoever and every part of the team is completely passive. You summed it up quite well earlier on today and just got to be careful when it comes to this situation in the sense that we don't consistently repeat ourselves but it's almost impossible to do because on a weekly basis on a game by game basis so many things are repeating themselves there are patterns that are just refusing to go away and you pointed out yourself you know one of the hallmarks of this last week has been that we have tried three different types of setup in several areas of the pitch different personnel seemingly well, I don't know from what Mourinho would say, but it seemed like there were some different sort of elements of approaches. Three different opponents, and the results were pretty much the same. You know, maybe in elements of that Palace game, we were lucky to actually get a draw out of it. You know, there were definitely yeah, we ways. In, yeah, I mean, there were definitely ways in which we we created next to nothing, especially in all all on that game. It was very very difficult to watch, especially as you mentioned a home game, something you know, and. It, typical sense you'd expect United to at least put some pressure on or at least a lot in relative control of it but again that just wasn't the case you know there wasn't a late siege there wasn't really late pressure there wasn't really late anything so to speak and you know then we move our way on to young boys on Tuesday night oh it's just such a flat occasion you know I mean considering that given the context of our season knowing that a win would solidify a Champions League place in the last 16 I would have said that that would be a game that would be of relative importance. But again, it wasn't necessarily treated like that. It felt incredibly, incredibly flat. Just so passive. And young boys are really not that great a side at all. They are plucky, don't get me wrong. And they do love to have a run. And they very much enjoyed breaking possession apart and having a couple of strikes. And again, De Gea came to the rescue a couple of times in that second half in particular. A stunning save after that deflection in the second half as well. Definitely kept us in the game. Because <laughs> Lord knows what would have happened if we got 1-0 down to young boys. But again, you know, I didn't look at that match and think we're really playing up for the occasion here. It didn't necessarily feel like we knew what was going on. It looked like we were completely unaware of what was happening and the actual severity of the game. You know, I wouldn't want to have gone into the Mastala in a couple of weeks' time knowing that he needed a result, not with this team at the moment. So I think we somewhat got away with one there. And, you know, even when Fellaini scored, I just don't want to sound too spoiled, but, you know, I didn't... I wasn't jumping out of my seat. I wasn't going crazy. I was just looking at it thinking, all right, yeah, we're winning great that should have happened a long long time ago <laughs> what on earth yeah. are we playing at where we have to leave it that late and it's Fellaini in the penalty area that gets us the goal now fair play to him he's managed, he's managed that several times over the years to the point where he's good at getting the odd last minute winner but what did it say about the rest of our play that that was basically the best chance we created all night it was so poor to watch we are so crude that's the point if you watched uh, just thinking back to the Crystal Palace game now United's one tactic in that match particularly in the second half was to get the ball wide to Ashley Young and for Ashley Young to cross into the box. That was it, on repeat. There was no tactical subtlety other than that. And then the young boys in the week 
really seem to be a case of just just hoofing it. You know, we can't not 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 trying to do anything complicated, not trying to do anything that that might actually break teams down. It was just hoof it, cross it. You know, these are it's football. It's football that Moyes would have been absolutely eviscerated for, and he was eviscerated for it. But but the thing is, I look back to to Moyes' United now, and it seems staggering to think back. But Moyes' United actually had an identity. It wasn't a very good. It wasn't a very successful identity. But you you could see what he was trying to do. It just wasn't. He just wasn't good enough. He just wasn't up to up to putting together a, a sophisticated enough system that United could really be successful with the players we had. This this team doesn't have an identity at, at whatsoever. It seems to try to do different things in different games, but 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 none of it is none of it is remotely complex or is modern. It's not modern. It's just. It's just very simple things, trying to get crosses in from almost exclusively from the left-hand side or trying to get the ball on the head of Fellaini or whatever else. And, and, and the team seems to move in straight lines. I mean, we saw again again tonight that, you know, we, we essentially have these, these lines of four or lines of five and then the strikers 40 or 50 yards ahead and they just all move together. Nobody nobody makes triangles. You know, there's no, there's no um, attempt to, to play into space. It's just sideways passing. Pogba was dropped in the week. I get why, to a degree, Mourinho has chopped and changed his sign his his lineups because because nothing seems to work. But the problem ultimately isn't the players per se. It's the fact that the manager can't make any system work with any players. And if you're playing a game at home in the Champions League against a team who they're not a Premier League standard team. You know, they're not a good football team. They're a championship team at best. And you need three points to win, to qualify for the next round. You're coming off the back of a really terrific win in Juventus. You know, one of one of the most significant United wins in, certainly this, of this century so far, in, in, in Europe. And there was nothing. The first half was quite, it certainly had more tempo to us. And I think it was notable that we brought Fred in. And he was the one guy who was essentially trying to, to make things happen, who was was being positive, who was spraying passes about. He may not have got it right all the time. Ah, right. That's probably why he's not being played. Well, no, though. exactly. I mean, we can come on to team selections, you know, later on, because, again, we, we had another absolutely baffling selection today. But the point is that it doesn't seem to matter what what combination of players we, we put out. The same ineffectual, crude, one-dimensional football is the outcome. And, and that's what we saw against, against Young Boys. Mm. I mean, we were lucky to get that victory yeah. again. <laughs> You know, almost in the way that we were lucky to get that point against Palace <clears throat> three days previously. It was very fortunate that we got away with the win there. And it is going to make that trip to Spain next week a large amount easier on that basis. So, you know, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm relieved that we won, but I can't necessarily say it was filling me with much joy. And, you know, when you see Mourinho talking after the game, talking about his record in terms of qualifying and saying the year I wasn't in the Champions League, I won the Europa League. It's so difficult for me to try and get behind a guy who spends all of his time seemingly making things about him. And then when things go wrong, trying to make it about anyone else than him. It's just, it's remarkable that he thinks that he can get away with that and that shit is going to fly. It just doesn't. It's not acceptable in any way, shape or form. And it's not good to listen to and it's not good to watch, you know. And there was a lot of focus on as well his celebration where he was you know, doing a number on that poor drinks carton, that poor drinks carrier on the side of the pitch. 
it's just the the actions of a man who yes absolutely must be relieved in the fact that we scored a last minute winner also i don't see many managers doing that normally but it is yeah you're right completely melodramatic you know it all comes from the sense that he is desperate to try and get things right to a certain extent but you know he's run out of ideas so when things actually go right in that way as they did when Fellaini got that last minute winner completely his attention and I get that <laughs> not necessarily say maybe great watching but still anyway so we limped through to uh, Sunday afternoon at St Mary's again looking at the table beforehand I think Palace had won two games prior to playing us and Southampton won one all season in the Premier League so immediately you're just thinking well there's no way we're winning this is there <laughs> not on current form and that's pretty much how it proved to be. What was it? 2-0 down inside a grand total of 20 minutes. Excellent. To a yeah, team well, in the relegation zone. Let's discuss zone. the lineup, surely. Let's let's discuss the lineup first. Yes. We, so, talked Rich, this, talk to me about that lineup. Today was beyond beyond baffling. I mean, Reno's he's, he's kind of claimed, in, in, you know, who am I to say otherwise, but supposedly Smalling's injured and Bai apparently has injured his neck, which... I, I have less faith in that being true. It's probably all the time he's just spent lolling his head trying to keep warm on the bench, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, again, we've seen Emmanuel Matic play his 17th consecutive 90 minutes for United, despite being comfortably our worst player this season. <laughs> in came Scott McTominay again, and, you know, none of this... People often don't like us criticising young players. I'm not criticising him personally. He doesn't pick himself. It's not his fault. But I would not be surprised if in four or five years the kid's playing League One football because, you know, he, I don't think he's ever shown anything to suggest he's even remotely at United Standard. But, you know, but Mourinho seems to have clung on to him as some kind of example to demonstrate his faith in youth or to, to show what can happen if you just work really hard. But there are hundreds of players in the lower leagues that work really hard. There's a young Brazilian on the bench who deserves that kind of chance more than McTominay yeah, does. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that grates is that the reality is that Mourinho will give, a, will give a chance like that to a kid who is extremely limited but is is very hardworking and diligent over a kid who is extremely talented but who perhaps isn't quite as easy to direct or to handle or whatever. You know, Mourinho's default will always be to go for the guy who does exactly what he says, even if he does it terribly. And that's that's essentially the reason that that Nemanja Matic plays every game, despite being beyond abject this season. It's it's because I can tell him what to do, and he will essentially run about in the right places. And he might run about in the right places, but be absolutely appalling at the football bit. But he's doing exactly what I've told him to do, so he plays every week. Essentially, I mean, I know again he's had had a couple of poor matches, but. To leave out Anthony Martial again, we're playing away away from home against a team who are nineteenth in the Premier League, who yeah one one win all season. I don't think they've scored more than once in a game for eons, and we've essentially gone out with the team that had three attacking players, three attacking creative players, and and seven essentially seven workhorses. Everything that this United does now, everything that Mourinho does with this United is a complete anathema to, to the history of you know, the recent history of well quite not quite the very recent history of the club but you know the things that the the club were built on the the kind of the faith in youth but in the right way and just being offensive and how can you how can you possibly defend going to Southampton and playing with three three creative players who might get you a goal 
I don't know. I mean, going on to the broader point in terms of how you feel about this is something of a betrayal of United's essential traditions and its heritage. I can forgive a lot of things if you get the results. You know, if you can see that there is progress and you can see that something is being built, then you can put a lot of things to the side. And, you know, you look at the way that things were going under Van Gaal, for instance. For the first sort of third of that season, before we got knocked out of the Champions League and we really started struggling, you know, we were pushing Leicester at the top of the league. You know, we were up, we were leading the Premiership after that lucky Schweinsteiger for Stone Cole at Vicarage Road against Watford. And up until that point in the season, the football had frequently been difficult to watch, but we were winning. We weren't winning necessarily comfortably. It was often tight, but we were getting the results for the most part. There was a clutch of young players that were playing with relative frequency who were providing us reasons to keep interested. It wasn't always great to watch, but there was something of a point to it. That dwindled towards the end of the season. It was no surprise that Van Gaal got let go, especially when finished in the top four. In comparison with now, you could almost get away with winning sort of 60-70% of United's games if you were getting the results out of it, even if the football wasn't that great to watch. But Mourinho has long gone past the point now where he's able to win games and the performances to boot are absolutely abject. And when we talk about the players that aren't good enough or when we talk about the players that aren't providing enough, you can't miss an opportunity to point out that it's Mourinho's lieutenants who are just as bad as the players that are richly getting sorted, the creative types, for their attitude or their application or their efforts in front of goal. It is players like Ashley Young, who stayed at the club for a long time. Antonio Valencia. It's players like Lukaku, who was bought for £75 million, because that's what Mourinho wanted up front. It's players like Matic. I don't know. You, you could pick out any of the players that you could say are a trusted lieutenant. Mourinho has done a pretty wretched job of moving on players that we all thought, when he came in, would have gone. And you cannot get away from this fact that Mourinho just has not managed this squad and this team well enough. He hasn't had a good enough handle on which players should have been kept, which players should potentially have been moved on. And when it comes to bringing players in, all in all, they have struggled to assert themselves at United under this stewardship. And that is clear, whoever you look at, whether it's from Bailly to Pogba, whether it's from Lukaku to Matic, everyone is struggling. You know, even De Gea is, you know, not looking... At his sharpest best. And if the rumours coming out from the mirror this week that he's waiting to see what happens to Mourinho before signing a new deal, that speaks huge volumes. And then you look at today with Matic and McTominay, you know, two trusted lieutenants who have both struggled deeply, despite, as you pointed out, following Mourinho's instructions. And the fact that we went 2 0 down into, inside 20 minutes at St. Mary's, you know, good goals from Armstrong, but there were seven, what, seven people at the penalty area, around the penalty area, that didn't stop that going in. And that free kick from Cedric Sauce, I saw that going in as soon as it was rewarded. I was just thinking, there's no way this is not going in. That's simply where we are right now. The fact that we were 2-0 down in that game didn't come as a single surprise at all. Expectations are so, so low under Mourinho. And we all want to see United doing well. But we don't believe it can happen. The players clearly don't believe it anyway. So what the, this, the easy situation is here, and again, we're all going to come on to you know discussing the board's you know, influence in this because as you and I both agree, you get rid of Mourinho, you haven't solved all of our problems in one fell swoop. No. There is rot at United that needs to be dealt with before there can be genuine improvement. And there has to be a plan, something we've not had for a long time. 
But it seems like there's a very clear decision to be made, despite the fact that we clawed back two goals against this, what, second, third bottom team in the league tonight? Yeah, it's always good to come from 2-0 down. That only tells half the story. The story seems to be that United are broken under Mourinho. And I'm just stunned that this is being allowed to carry on December. How many is it? It's eight, yeah, yeah. Eight, it's nine staggering. points off top four by December is just, you know, it's mid-table fodder territory. And I just don't know why it's been allowed to continue. We're not even a mid-table side at the moment. I mean, let's be let's be honest. We've we've just been slightly fortunate to get points out of two of the worst teams in the in the Premier League. Let's not forget that Southampton are broken. We talk about United being broken. That side is mentally destroyed. Mark Hughes manages them, so you know. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, he, I, I I had a brief conversation with a Southampton fan earlier on today, and he, his 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 was just it doesn't matter how bad you are, you can't be as broken as we are. <laughs> Challenge accepted. We came back from two and down fine, but there was so mentally weak that, that that's not as much of an achievement as it was, say, when we came back against Chelsea or, or whatever else. But the, the most the most galling thing of all of it is that we got back to two all, and then we just stopped attacking. It, we just stopped again. We, we just became conservative again. It lends into the idea that essentially the only thing that's keeping this team competitive, even against the, the poorest teams in the Premier League, is the professional pride of some of those players essentially just throwing caution to the wind when we're behind overriding what you know to a degree what they're told to do is you know really going with their instincts but then as soon as we get back level again we, we basically settle back into what we've been told to do before and we just stopped attacking and there was no tempo there was no nothing and I think you you know you said a minute ago that it doesn't matter what lineup we put out who plays those players are broken and it's very easy to fall into the trap but a lot you know, some people are doing on social media, which is basically, I'm not quite sure how how we've got to this point, but some people genuinely believe that, that the vast majority of our players are absolutely terrible. And to see them as they're playing at the moment and not, and not know anything about them before, you'd think that. you genuinely think that. I mean, you know, Romelu Lukaku has never been the greatest technician in the world, but he, he looks like a Sunday League footballer for a lot of the time at the moment. This is a guy who scored... 25 plus goals in the last two seasons. This is the guy who was, I think, second top scorer the se- in the Premier League the season before we bought him for a team who were essentially mid-table. He's not as bad as he's looking, you know. Paul Pogba just had another really desperate game today. Every single player in that team is playing at 20% of what they can play at. You know, even the guys, even even the limited guys, you know, even they are playing below what they can offer. I was never super sold on Matic and we could have done a lot better when we signed him. But even he's not this bad, as bad as he's been. The problem with Matic is just that he is never one of the ones that actually pays any sort of punishment. But you've got guys like Andreas Pereira and Fred particularly, these two guys who Pereira essentially got two games and has never been seen again. And Fred gets dipped in and out. He's all right, but he's you know ultimately he's adjusting. But he's a positive player. He plays plays in small spaces. He's he's positive. He tries to play triangles. He he'll spread the play. He's just generally you know a more positive footballer. And Mourinho seems to hate him. Just hates him. There's so much more in this squad. There's so much more that another coach could be doing with Eric Bailly and you know even Lindelof when he's fit. I, I swear, although he's improved this this year, I think he's a much better footballer than we've than we've seen of him at United. Nobody is functioning. Not a single player in this squad is functioning anything like the best they can be. And we're in a hole now because there's no coming back. There's no coming back from this. We're playing as poorly as any team in the entire Premier League. 
yeah, I mean, it, it is just broken. Uh, at the risk of repeating ourselves, and we will be, and we probably will be for weeks and weeks and weeks more, won't we? Because hmm. you know, those those above him are as are have been and are as inept as anything that that we're seeing on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, just to go over the the one couple of positives from the game today, it was nice to see Rashford have such a starring role and actually turning that initial result around. You know, really encouraging yeah. runs both times set Lukaku up on a plate and that stopped him from going over 1,000 minutes for United without scoring a goal. I mean, whatever you think about him, you always want to see that man scoring if he's playing in a red shirt, just purely because if United score, that typically means we're going to do all right. And a really nice finish from Herrera as well, actually, for that equaliser. And again, you know, that was a rare sight, wasn't it? A midfielder streaming into the box and getting involved in the attack. You know, he's going to be paying punishment prices for that for the next couple of weeks. Never mind. Um, yeah, too all. What can you really say about that beyond what a shock? Not, uh, gosh, how 90s do I sound? Um, no, you're right. I mean, the concerning thing is that United are putting, trying to save a couple of million quid ahead of what is clearly best for the team at this stage. They're risking a lot by allowing this to carry on just because they don't want to give Mourinho... They want to make sure they limit the amount of money they have to pay Mourinho should they have to sack him ahead of time. And if risking top four is a it's a wild game to play, I'm not. I think this is going to blow up in their faces because if the likes of De Gea are legitimately saying, "I'm not sure I want to stay United if Mourinho's in charge." Now that is obviously very fanciful and fits in with our current narrative. So I'm not necessarily sure if that's true or not. It certainly fits well, but maybe it's because I want it to fit. But if we're talking about keeping hold of our most important players, and make no mistake, De Gea is up there as our most important player. You know, at this this moment in time, anyway, because you've got to build from the back and have an incredibly strong goalkeeper if you want keeper if you want to challenge for the top honours. If that's the situation we're in, then it's almost a no brainer because finding a goalkeeper of his calibre is next to impossible. That's a player that we had to develop over the last gosh, what was it? Oh, six years now. You know, you don't get people like that of that calibre just out of nowhere. You look at Courtois and the troubles he's had at Real Madrid. You know, any go- good goalkeeper can struggle struggle when they move from a top club. The fact that they're playing a risky game with a player as important to United as De Gea is just insane to me. Just in the case of if they legitimately have £14 million payout for Mourinho. Good grief. I mean, they saved all that money for not buying Perisic last summer and the previous summer. Just get on with it. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. It's that for the sake of you know whatever extra it would cost them to, to, to sack him, it's, it's the price of a championship footballer. A pre- these days, a pretty average championship footballer as well. I mean, it's always been a... A thing that I, I've always thought, I don't know why clubs are willing to pay, you know, relatively big fees for players, but, but then wouldn't, won't recreate that for a manager, because the manager's the most important, you know, member of personnel at any football club, really. Um, and, I, you know, there's talk of United not wanting to have to buy another manager out of their contract. <clears throat> but what if the whole thing costs them 30 million quid? That's the same money they've willing to throw away on a football on a, on a footballer and essentially say that it doesn't really buy you much of a footballer anyway in the current market. You know, I, I would prefer, and I think it would make more sense for United to take their time finding or recruiting our next permanent manager. But we're at a point right now where nothing good at all can come from him staying. Absolutely nothing. Not on the pitch, not in terms of the way he just poisons atmospheres, 
not in terms of you know players renewing contracts or or players that we may wish to sign. That there's nothing positive that can come from Jose Mourinho continuing to be Manchester United manager apart from saving a few million quid. But at this point, even if you you sack him and appoint a caretaker, whether that be, I mean, I, I haven't given it a significant thought, but it's it's not a reason not not to replace him. It, whether it be someone like Nicky Butt, who's created a, a wonderfully entertaining youth team that were absolutely fantastic again in the UEFA Youth League this week, or a combination of Carrick and Butt, or, or or a more experienced manager who is free at the moment, who's just could just hold the fort in the same way that Gus Hiddink did at, at Chelsea. Because we're not, we're not going down, we're not going up this season. There's nothing happening from here. All we know is if we if we continue like this, then it's just going to be miserable. And then take then take your time into the summer. Take your time to the summer and and get the appointment right. Mm, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing we do need to make clear is that the board have managed this in a completely horrific situation. They've handled it poorly. There's just no other way around it. If you're not going to back Mourinho in the summer transfer window, and I have a degree of sympathy for Mourinho in this, then essentially you leave him a dead man walking and you give him a ready-made excuse and a reason and a, to make him feel completely vilified and against, like the world is against him. Essentially, you've given him so much fuel to act in this way and he's just going to turn around and say, well, this is the reason that everything's failing because you didn't get me the players I want. And the fact that they didn't give him that money to me says that they didn't have the faith that he could go out and spend that money wisely and make enough of an improvement. And if that's what you think of your manager, then why is he still your manager? It didn't make any sense at the time. It makes even less sense now. They're genuinely quibbling about how many millions of pounds it's going to take to get rid of him or how many millions of pounds they didn't want to give him in the summer. That is remarkable for a club of our stature and our means and our turnover to be quibbling over so much. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, the board deserves, and Edward Wood in particular, they deserve a lot of scrutiny for how this has been handled. None of it has been good. And again, you know, we talk about Mourinho, but well, actually, you know what? He's not gone yet, so I'm not going to start talking his eulogy because it could be a little while before that actually happens. Uh, anyway, let's. Let, I guess there's only one way to sign off on this particular diatribe in the sense that this isn't good and maybe it'll change, but I'm not necessarily sure that's going to happen soon. I, I cannot see any way back for. Mourinho's United. It just seems like he's picking teams now to try and survive from game to from game to game. Yeah, there's no plan. There's um, no guidance. There's, there's no plan. It just seems like I'd, I'm just trying not to lose this game mm. because if I lose it, then that might be it. And it felt like that today. Here's one question that I think has been coming up quite frequently when people have been talking about Mourinho and saying he needs to go, which I definitely clearly said that this afternoon on Twitter. At Chappie Graham asks, if not Jose, then who? There's two things. First of all, that's not a reason to stop something, to end something that is poisonous and and futile. Mm. The se- a second point is we aren't football recruitment experts. We can we can talk about managers we like we like the look of at various clubs in Europe, but ultimately just the same as saying, well, if we don't sign this player, who else can we sign? We're not professional scouts. As I said, you know, I would get rid now on the basis that we're neither going up nor down <clears throat> or anywhere this season. So just make a change, lighten the mood, get some fresh ideas in, even if it's from in-house, and spend the rest of the season essentially making sure that the permanent appointment you make in the summer is the right man, whether it be Pochettino or... You know, I, I would I would like to think, and I don't necessarily have any faith in this happening, 
Um, but I, w- I would like to think that we might try and think a little bit out- outside the box this time and not go for a guy just because he's one available and two that has a reputation because that's got us nowhere. The other thing, the thing that's most important to me now, I, I've been watching the under 18s this season semi regularly because they're frankly far more enjoyable to watch than the, the, than the, the senior team or well, the under 18s and the under 19s. Yeah. You know, we've got four or five players between the ages of 16 and 18 at the moment who could save the club an enormous amount of money and who really have the potential in them to be very, very high class footballers. And I, all I want now is a manager who I think, you know, he'll do right by those players. He will give them a chance. He will make them better players. And if they've got any chance of being top level footballers, I want them to be given that chance. Then it's up to them if they take it. Yeah, absolutely. From from my perspective, I want I want to see a, a manager who will go back to what we value as, as Manchester United fans. And I know winning is part of that, but, but, but also just enjoying the spectacle of the match and really making the most of the, the diamonds that we have ourselves and not focusing entirely on the need to spend a hundred million on whichever star from another club or otherwise you can't possibly do well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a frequent criticism that people come out with when they say, well, yeah, you want to get Mourinho, but he should be a replacement. This is all coming from a position where we don't want to be forced to think that we should be getting rid of our manager because we wanted Mourinho despite everything, despite form, despite everything we knew. We wanted him to turn it around. We wanted him to be a success at United, but it's not happened. It can't be allowed to continue like this. It's going to do more damage than good. And I know I'm talking in circles, but I genuinely feel that anyone at the minute, someone internal, whether that's Carrick or Butt, who just has got a wealth of experience, at least at lower levels, but knows the club inside out and would get the respect of the players, that would be a step up from what we currently have because this is just, this is watching a club drown in slow motion. Uh, Tariq Amir asks, what would it take for Woodward to step back from a football role? He's as bad as Mourinho, but not going anytime soon. Uh, I think the only way he's going to step down from that role is if someone forces him to step down, quite frankly. I don't think he is aware enough of his uh, failings or his record to look at the situation from a footballing level and say, yeah, maybe I'm not well suited to this job. I don't necessarily think he's that humble, if I'm honest with you. I'd love to be a, a stowaway in Ed's mind for for a day or a week or whatever. You know, you know, a day like today when he's he's seen that build again and every so often you get you get told that he wants to build a football structure with a director of football or a technical director or whatever else and the thing that I noticed that I've noticed in recent years we've done two things one we've completely restructured and restocked a youth system that had fallen into quite significant disrepair we've done it very very efficiently we've done it really quite successfully and you know I don't think it could have been handled much better than it has been Secondly, we've set up a professional women's football team. We've recruited incredibly well. We've uh, recruited a very uh, clearly a very astute, astute manager, and they're, they're they're wiping the floor with the women's second division. We've restructured and, and built two completely new footballing structures at various points in the club. That tells me that Edward Ward is well capable of building a senior football structure between him and the manager. The fact that he isn't, or he hasn't so far, is a conscious choice because he's well capable of doing it. And I would just love to know in his mind when he's thinking, well, yeah, maybe I won't do this, what on earth his rationale for that is. He's, he's clearly a bright man. Hmm. But to not be able to see that what he's done so far and what he what is in place now is failing magnificently 
and that something else quite significant needs to change. For, to not be able to see that is just remarkable. Mm. So if and I, I think the point is if we if we haven't got a director of football by the first day of next season, then it ain't happening. <laughs> no, I'd agree with that. I mean, uh, Atamori Zepp Billy asks, uh, when Josie finally does get the sack, will it really matter if Woodward is still around making more crap decisions? Um, well, there's only so wrong it can go, I guess. You know, we did get relegated once, don't know if I mentioned that this evening. So, you know, there is that to consider. <laughs> uh, <laughs> David Holdstock asks, any idea what goes on in training? Uh, pass. Nothing memorable, I think, is the answer, because... Yeah, because clearly none of them have a clue uh, two or three days later exactly what they're supposed to be doing, have they? So. No, well, it's that interesting thing when they were talking about the Bournemouth game and Mourinho was livid, suggesting how the trainers were saying this is the best time they trained all season. Then they turned in that performance and went 1-0 down the first 15 minutes. Uh, right, Miguel Gomez with the last of the night. Just one question. WTF is going on? Um, well, just listen to the last 47 minutes, I guess. We do know what's going on. We, you know, it's like I say, we just talked about it for nearly an hour. There are lots of things going on, and all of them are extremely bad. Or de- all of them are extremely depressing. I think is the point. In all my years of supporting United, and I've certainly in my sort of teen years, uh, you know, United were not a very good football team <laughs> at all. I've never known a period as a United fan where they've just been. There's been so much dysfunction and so much absolute hopelessness around everything that happens at the club. I think I think it would be a lot easier for us just to say what is going right at United. And, and I could do that in five seconds. Well, mostly everything except the first team. Yeah, pretty much everything Everything doesn't include the, the first team and everything associated with that first team. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should just rebrand and just be an anything but the first team podcast. That'd be ace. Imagine how much happier we'd be. And the owners. Oh, well, yeah, all right, well, you know, I had to bring them into the equation. Right, I mean, we've got Arsenal on Wednesday, so I guess we'll just see how that goes. I don't even want to bother trying to predict that, Rich. Let's just leave it there this evening. Thanks for your company, as always. (laughs) No worries, mate. Cheers, guys, for listening as well. Don't forget you can get us all over the internet if you want to talk to us about anything United or Mourinho related. But, you know, just just keep it relatively nice. We've all had a difficult week. You can get Rich at at Rich Red Voices. You can get me at at you and Lennox. And you can get the pod at at Red Voices MUFC and our blog at www.redvoices.net. Have yourselves a superb week. Try and enjoy yourselves. Good night. Good night.